disciples were excited. Man, they, they, they were thrilled. Things were happening fast and furious, and they could, they could hardly believe that they, they were getting to be a part of it. First, Jesus had, had sent them out two by two, uh, and given them authority. It's kind of interesting. Scripture tells us that. It doesn't really say what that meant or what that looked like or how that happened, but, but I'm sure when he gave them authority, that, that it was a special moment. I, I don't know if Jesus laid his hands on them, uh, and, 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 and did it that way. I don't know if he prayed a prayer over them. I don't know if he called down, uh, a, a spirit that, that enveloped them. I don't know what it looked like, but, but it says he gave them authority. And so, so just imagine a, a time that you've been maybe in a service, a, a church service or somewhere where you just really felt the Holy Spirit moving. Well, take that multiply it by 10 times. I'm sure that's what it was like when Jesus gave them authority. And, and we know they had an authority because they went out and they preached in a way that uh, th- th- that they never had preached before. Th- they were able to to heal sick people and cast out demons. Uh, man, it was, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Here, here they were, uneducated, unimpressive, untalented men. But, but before they met Jesus, they they were no one. No no one even knew who they were. No one even cared who they were. But all of that had changed. And my, my, the experiences they had had, the things that they had seen, no no one back home would believe that they were part of that. In fact, they they themselves were struggling to believe it. And and now the latest thing that had happened, the the latest miracle that they had seen, the, the last thing that they saw just just uh d- defied explanation. It left them smiling, I'm sure, but but also scratching their head, dumbfounded, amazed, all at the same time. See, Jesus, Jesus had taken two fish. Now now catch this. It, it wasn't it wasn't a couple of uh, of Jason Wettstein's 50-pound blue cats out of the Missouri River. That's what you catch, right? 50-pound blue cats. Say, okay, I, I was I was shortchanging you. Okay, just got bigger. All right, I love that. So, so, so this this little guy that gave the fish to Jesus wasn't dragging along these uh, these 70 pound, eight, 90 pound blue cats out out of the Jordan River. Number one, I don't know if they had catfish in Jordan River or not. Uh, he, he was, he didn't even have a stringer of bass or, or trout, uh, on, uh, 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 over his shoulder. The reality is he had a couple small, small fish, j- just a couple little fish. And scripture says he also had five small barley loaves. It was enough for his lunch. And so, so we think lunch, Hey, maybe we pack a, a, a lunch pail and it's full of stuff. Well, these were probably about sardine sized fish, maybe just a little bit bigger. Uh, they were bait. They were bait for Jason, uh, and and a couple small loaves. And they had seen Jesus take those small fish and those small loaves and feed. Scripture says five thousand men. So so if you add in the children and the women, maybe double. I don't know. Maybe ten thousand people. They had just seen Jesus feed ten thousand people with a couple sardines and a couple small little pieces of bread. And when they were done, each disciple was holding in his hand a basket of leftovers. Oh, wow. This was, 
this was amazing. So, so these disciples had to be stoked. They, they had to be excited. And then Jesus asked them two questions. If you have your Bibles here this morning, open up to Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you. So, so kids that were in my Sunday school class this morning, take that Bible out and find Luke chapter 9. When you get it, stand up and start. No, I won't make you do that today. But uh, Luke chapter 9, I want you to follow. And we're going to read verses 18 down through 25. And, and, and if you want to answer in your Bibles, you'll note that right before this, it wasn't necessarily chronological. It didn't happen like just moments before. But, but the story that was recorded before this was the feeding of the 5,000. So this may have been a couple days later, uh, a few a few days later possibly. This is what it says, Luke chapter 9, starting verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them. So here's question number one. Who do the crowd say I am? What are people saying about me? What who do the who do the people who do the masses say that I am? Now Hey, hold that for just a second and just flip back if you need to flip back in your Bible. Go back to, to verse 7 in the same chapter, chapter 9. Uh, let, me, let me read that verse. Now, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all the things going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, still others, one of the prophets long ago had come back to life. So even at the highest levels of government, people were, were saying we're, we're answering this question. So, so Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do they say? Now, notice what they say. Sounds just like uh, Herod. They replied, some say John the Baptist. Herod had just put John the Baptist to death, had, had him beheaded. So some are saying, hey, John the Baptist came back to life. Some others are saying Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. And then Jesus asked another question. Kind of, Kind of switches gears hard here on them. See, first question wasn't hard to answer. It didn't take a, it didn't take a whole lot of thought. It didn't take a lot of introspection. It didn't take a lot of commitment to to answer that that question because they'd heard what people were saying. Maybe themselves, maybe they had said some of those same things. They, they certainly had to entertain those ideas. So when Jesus said, "Who do people say that I am?" with without hesitation, they were like, "Well, some say John, some say Elijah, some say this, some say." Say that, but then Jesus asked a uh, another question, and, and and just so you catch it, this is the most important question of the day. So, so if you if you want to take a nap, the rest of the sermon, if you get this point, then I, I I'm okay, because uh, this is the question that really is the important question of the day. But what about you? What about you? He asked. So he looked at the twelve, kind of looked him in the eye. What about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, of course it was Peter, Peter answered the Christ, the Christ of God. Uh, uh, Matthew records this in Matthew chapter 16. It says, uh, Matthew records a little different. Matthew says that Jesus said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Really the same thing. L- let me read on as he goes there. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law. And he must be killed on the third day to be raised to life. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, and here's the three things we're going to look at this morning, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. 
Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? Um, I, I can see Jesus asking that question, that 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 pivotal question. So, so, so guys, I want you thinking about that here this morning. I, I want you thinking about that question. What? What if Jesus asked you? What if Jesus said to you and said, hey, but, but how about you? How about you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you think that I am? Uh, it, it tells us that Peter answered, but, but I've got to believe that all the other disciples were formulating answers in their head. I don't, I, it, it doesn't mention it, but I bet there was a little bit of a pause. I bet there was a break in time. Jesus answered that question. I, I, I bet there was somewhat of a pregnant pause there. As, as they were thinking about what to say. And, and, and they thought different things. James and John. I wonder if James and Don didn't think, uh, well, you're, you're, you're our cousin, Jesus. Because he was. He was probably their first cousin. You're our cousin, Jesus. And, and, and they probably were thinking, well, you know, we've heard stories about you. I remember at family reunions, people would talk about this Jesus. And, and they came up with this story that your mother was a virgin when you were born? We, we, we've always thought that was just so, so far-fetched and so out there. But now we're not sure. Maybe. maybe. We, we've seen so much. It's been so interesting being, being your disciple. So, so they're thinking, you're our cousin, but, man, there's, there's got to be something else. Matthew. Matthew thinking Matthew probably was an analytical thinker, uh, he was a tax collector. He was used to working with numbers and analyzing things and putting them in order and keeping organized. Maybe he thought, maybe he, he was sitting there thinking, well, Jesus, you're a great rabbi. You're a great teacher. But even with that, he's like, but you're not any, you're nothing like any of the other rabbis. Man, all the other rabbis, when they see me, they, they look the other direction. And if they do make eye contacts, they contact they look down their nose at me if they do see me they huff and 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 i see the judgment in their eyes see he was a tax collector they they look down upon him and so, so he might have been thinking boy just the way you do things you're a great teacher a great rabbi but man you're nothing like any of the rabbis that i've known before judas Ju- judas might have thought he wanted to say it but he he was too smart to say it out loud out loud Judas was probably thinking, you're a gold mine. Jesus, you're a gold mine. Uh, as the, the, the treasure for their group, uh, they didn't have much money, but Judas was the one that kept it when they had it. Judas was thinking, man, we can, we can make a, a mint off you, Jesus. People follow you. People listen to you. If we market you correctly, if, if we turn this just the right way, if we say the right things, Jesus, you are going to be a gold mine. We are all going to be rich. And, of course, Judas is thinking as the keeper of the purse, I'm going to be maybe a little more rich than the others. But we, Jesus, you're a gold mine. S- Simon the Zealot, another one of the disciples, he, he probably thought his answer was, well, Jesus, you're a leader. He had, he had seen how Jesus had had 5,000 men, so, so maybe up to 10,000 people, follow him out into the desert with no food and stay all day long just listening to him teach. 
So much so that it was nighttime. They were a long way from home. They hadn't eaten all day. That's why Jesus fed them in the first place. And, and so Simon the Zealot was looking like, Jesus, you, you have, man, you have such an ability. And, and, and as a zealot, and basically what he was, he was one that was a, a, a nationalist. He believed that Israel was the only country and it, it was incumbent on good Jews to drive Rome out of Israel. And, and he thought Jesus was the one. Well, Jesus, as this great leader, we can drive Rome out, and, and you can be on the throne, and I'll be right there with you. But Peter, may, maybe he surprised himself. He probably answered without thinking. That's how Peter usually answered, which maybe even makes it even more cool if that's what happened, because Peter without giving a lot of thought, without thinking about maybe what it meant for him, Peter just blurted out, you're the Christ of God. What what Peter really was saying, what he meant by what he said, how it would have been interpreted is, is he was saying, Jesus, you're the one. You're the holy one. You're the chosen one. You're the promised one. You're the one we've been waiting on, the one that's been prophesied about. You're the one that will change everything. Jesus, you are the one. They'd all been thinking it. They'd all been wondering about it. They'd all been maybe even talking about it, but now it was out there. Now now it had been said. It had been, it had been publicly stated. Now everything started to click and come together. All this excitement, all this, wow, we, we, we had authority because Jesus gave it to us. We've seen miracles. 5,000 people from a couple little scrawny fish and some loaves. All this great stuff happened. He's the one. He's the Messiah. Yes, it makes sense. But before they could even process that, before, before that could enter their spirit and they could just, just explode with excitement, Jesus did what Jesus often does. Uh, if you have Luke 9 open, uh, still look down there at verse 20. And notice what Jesus says. I'm not going to spend much time talking about this uh, mainly because I don't know why he did this necessarily. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. You're the one. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. Now don't tell anyone. That that would be like, uh, uh, that would be like, like, like falling down on one knee before your, your girlfriend and pulling a box out of your pocket some of, you, some of you girls dreamed about that. It didn't happen that way with us. Sorry, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't dream about it because it didn't happen that way. But, but, but falling down on one knee and you're, you're sitting there and, 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 and he pulls a ring out of the pocket and, and he says, will you marry me? And uh, I've seen it on TV. The girls all get excited and they start crying and, and they, they do this. And, and, uh, and of course you say yes, and he stands up and you embrace and you kiss, and 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 then your your now fiance says, "Don't tell your mom. Don't tell your sister. Your best friend. Don't tell him." <laughs> that's, that's Jesus. They they just put it all together. Every every link had just finally come together. He was the one. He was the Messiah. Jesus, you are. And Jesus throws him a curve. Jesus says, but hey, hey, uh, uh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Uh, 
And if that didn't derail their thinking, notice what he says next in verse 22. And he said, oh, by the way, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You, gotta, you nailed it, Peter. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one. This is exciting. Don't tell anyone. I'm going to die. Wow. I think Jesus hammers them with this news. In part because he didn't want them to misunderstand what all this meant, him being the Messiah. See, it it didn't mean that we get to march into Jerusalem and and run Rome out. It didn't mean that we get to, to, to bring loads of cash in. It didn't mean that that we get to stand at the, the right hand and the left hand, uh, even though they still miss this point, because if you, if you read on through the New, the, the New Testament, through the Gospels, they were still thinking this stuff later on. You know, James and John, hey, can we sit at your right and your left hand? Uh, they still were missing it. But, but, but now what he says next kind of invites us into the narrative. And he changes, uh, he changes the story, changes the thinking, so, so right there in the middle of this confusion, you're the Messiah, but don't tell anyone you're going to die or I'm going to die. Right in the middle of this confusion, Jesus tells them what they need to do. So let me ask you that question again. And, um, and, and we're just going to look at three things, actually kind of briefly here this morning. Jesus asked them and asked us again, who do you say that I am? I dare say some of you haven't really seriously or at a heartfelt level, answered that question? Maybe you thought, well, Jesus is hes a Bible guy. Jesus is a moral teacher. Jesus is some distant religious icon that I know I'm supposed to do something with. But who is he to you? Jesus boils it down to three simple things he asks. And let's look at those three, so three, those three things. And it, and it really falls under this heading, are you willing to say? Notice the first thing. He says, if anyone would come after me. So, so right in the middle of him saying, okay, I'm, you nailed it. I'm the Messiah. But, but he kind of dampers their excitement. Right in the middle of that, he says, yeah, but, but if you're going to follow who, who I've just said that I was, this Messiah who, who's not going to be what you thought he was going to be, but if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, these are the three things you have to do. The first thing he says is you have to say no to yourself. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. We have to say no to ourselves. Can I, can I be honest with you this morning? Can, and this comes from a place of honesty with myself. One of the, one of the biggest struggles that we have, I, I think before we even wrestle with the second and the third thing that Jesus asked of us, I think we oftentimes struggle and, and, and wrestle with this idea. Are we willing to say no to ourselves? I think we struggle to get past this one. And, and I see that. I see that in our world. Uh, d- don't miss the irony here. R- right on the heels of this ragtag group of guys, tax collectors, zealots, fishermen, r- right on the heels of them starting to feel good about who they were, starting to feel like they were really something else, Jesus says, Deny yourself. We live in a world that is drowning 
drowning in self. In our politically correct society, and I'm not going to go into details, you can, you can run with those in uh, so many different ways, but in our politically correct society where, where we're confused about who we are and what to call ourselves and what pronouns to use, what I see, what I see at the root of that oftentimes is that we prioritize self. In, in, a, in, in our world that for some of us, if not all of us in, a, in at least some way, is driven by social media, by, by, by having to see what's going on in the world. And, and for a lot of people, and social media can be a great thing and it can be a good thing, but, but for a lot of people, social media really isn't about other people, it's about self. It's, a, it's about are people seeing me? Are people responding to me? Are people liking what I'm doing? Do they, do they care about what's happening in my life? It's, it tends to be about us. In, in fact, I would, I would give you as evidence of, of that a word that we've created in our society. It is the word selfie. Now, I'm going to talk about selfie just a little bit. In part, I can do that because I don't take selfies. I'm really mature. No, I don't know how to do it. I I, I can't get it, uh, and I don't know which button to push, so I don't do selfies. That's really the main reason I don't, I don't do selfies. I, I hand the phone to someone else. Even though I have the longest arm, if we do one, Rita has to take – I'm terrible at it. But, 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 but let's stop there for just, just a second and think about that. Can you imagine Jesus saying, come on, guys, everyone get behind me. No, there's a lot of us, five, 10,000, get all behind me. I've got it. I, I cut some of you off, but I got most of you in the background. Can, can you imagine Jesus when he said those words, those powerful words, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes walking out of the grave, with, round up, bound up in the grave clothes. Can, hang on there, Lazarus, before we take that stuff off. Click. Can you see Jesus? Peter's walking on the water. Now, probably would, he wouldn't have had time to do it, but let's say Peter had a little more faith than, than what he's walking on the water. And when he gets out to Jesus, he's, he says, hey, we got to capture this moment. Of course, actually, probably Peter would have been the one doing the selfie. But, but boom, they take a picture of, of walking on the water. Or when they drop the paralytic through the roof, man, Jesus could not have, man, he couldn't have passed up that moment. I mean, this guy's roof is ripped open. This guy, guy is is laying on a mat. There's four guys with their heads stuck down through the roof, holding on the rope. I imagine Jesus, let's get that close so we can get those four guys and this guy. Let's get one before and one after with the guy holding the mat. Got us. Or, or how about this? Jesus takes a, takes a towel and wraps around his waist. Tell us if we're not somewhat guilty of this in our world. He wraps a towel around his waist and he gets a bowl of water. And he sets down and he's got John's feet right there. Got me washing John's feet. Now, I'm not saying you can't take selfies. So, I mean, half of you are mad at me now. So, that's not what I mean. I'm jealous that you know how to do it. But, but, but you, you start to get the idea. Because Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And really, what he means there, the, the application is that we need to prioritize we need to prioritize people other than ourselves. Uh, Philippians 2, Paul there says, we need to count others better than ourselves, look not only to our, our, our own interests, but the interests of others. Jesus said several places that we need to be the servant of all. If you want to be first, you need to be last. 
He said, Son of Man came not to serve, but uh, not to be served, but to serve and, and give his life. Um, so I guess I asked that question. If we're going to follow Jesus, are we denying self? Are we prioritizing other people in, in our life and putting them first? Um, are, are you willing to say yes to the challenge? Because Jesus says, well, hey, you're going to follow me. It's not what you thought it was going to be. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to work perfect for us. Doesn't mean our life's going to be without without trial or, or trouble. We'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks when we, we study the book of James. But but he says you, you need to deny yourself and and take up your cross daily. Now, uh, we've got to understand the context there when Jesus said, "Take up your cross." Uh, his his disciples, when they heard that, they would have heard it differently than we hear it. When we hear, when we read that, we have the, uh, we have the, the, the experience of what the cross was. We've got a, a cross up there, and some of you have crosses on your, uh, uh, around your neck. Uh, there's a cross in, uh, depicted in that window. Maybe there's some others here in the church. Our big wooden cross is across in the back now, but, but, but we see the cross completely different because we know what it represents kind of after the fact. The cross for us represents victory. It represents Jesus dying for us and taking our sins and Jesus conquering. That, that's what it means to us. But not to them. When Jesus said, take up your cross, how would, they didn't know Jesus was going to cross, so what would they think? Here's what the mental picture for them would, be, would have been was a criminal. J- just like they would see Jesus um, a little bit down the road carrying a cross through the streets of Jerusalem with two other guys can, convicted thieves carrying crosses so when jesus said take up your cross what they were thinking was not like oh this is a beautiful victory uh symbol they were thinking what carrying a cross only criminals carry crosses only criminals carry crosses so so what's he talking about well first of all he didn't mean that verse that that thought there doesn't mean that we interpret it like Taking up our cross is a burden. So, so we use it this way. Well, that's the burden that we have to bear. That's the burden that she has to carry with her. It, our, our walk with Jesus is not to be seen as a burden. We're, we're not throwing on our Christianity and like, woe is me. I've got to struggle along with this burden of being a Jesus follower and Christ follower. Man, it's a burden. It's the cross that I have to bear. It's not what he's talking about. In fact, didn't, didn't Jesus over in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11 say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And, and then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, so we're not to see the cross as, a, as this big burden that's laid on our back. In, instead, what he means there is that we are to prioritize our identity. That's what he meant. If anyone would, would come after me, deny himself, so prioritize people, and take up your cross. And, and so really how they understood it would be the way that we need to understand it. Uh, a guy carrying a cross was identified as a, a criminal. Us carrying the cross of Jesus identifies us as a Christ follower. They, they would understand this more fully after the, after the cross, after the crucifixion and the resurrection. They, they certainly wouldn't have got it here. But the reality is, 
It is us putting on the identity of Christ and following him. Now, I don't want to unhook the, this idea of the cross uh, from, from the meaning here. But if they had saw a man carrying a cross, they would have thought he's a criminal. People need to see us bring Jesus. Last year, uh, Reed and I uh, uh, went to Hawaii to celebrate our 40th anniversary and, and our 60th uh, birthdays. What, when we were in Maui, and we saw this I don't know how many times, when we were in Maui, we saw these two kids, uh, college age maybe, maybe young adults, saw, saw these two guys. We'd see them on the road that we would drive quite, quite often, uh, and they were carrying crosses. Sometimes they'd be standing on a corner with this cross, this big old cross hung up over their shoulder. Other times we'd see them walking down. Now, I don't think I'm ever going to do that, literally get a cross, but if I'm going to, I think I'll go to Hawaii to do it. I mean, what better? Literally, they were right there. The beach was just on the other side of the highway. So I guess, hey, that's the cross we have to bear, right? You know, uh, do it in Hawaii. But, but, but I saw those guys carrying that cross. You know what I thought? They're crazy. <laughs> They're crazy. That, that's not what Jesus meant. Now, maybe they have a chance to witness to people. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think everyone, I'm a believer, and I thought they're crazy, so I know unbelievers think they are. That's what Jesus is talking about there, uh, putting a cross on our shoulder. Um, now, now, if I had, let, let me illustrate this way. If I had someone step up here this morning, and they, they had on a set of scrubs, and you saw them, I just had them up here, and I said, hey, what do they do? You would probably say, well, they, they're a nurse, or they're a dental hygienist, or they, they work in a doctor's office. Yeah, if a guys stood up here with a white lab coat and a, uh, uh, a stethoscope around his neck, you'd say, hey, and, and a name, you'd say, hey, he's, he's a doctor. If a guy stood up here with a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and a whistle around his neck, you'd say, hey, he's a coach. That guy's, that guy's a coach. Just, you know, if a guy stood up here with a suit and tie on, you'd say, hey, he's a preacher. Uh, no, I don't, I don't wear one of those, but, uh, but, but we're identified. We're identified by by putting the cross on Galatians chapter three, verse 27 says for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. We we're called to deny ourself. We're, we're called to, to put Christ on uh, and, and live him. And are we willing to say it's the last thing he mentions here. Are we willing to say, let's go to the journey. Are we willing to say, let's go to the journey. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Johnny, you guys can come on up, uh, worship band. When, when you think of this idea of, of follow, um, a couple things can come to mind. We could, uh, we could have this sense or this idea of following blindly. Just we've got someone out in front of us. And we're just following them because, hey, we're just supposed to do that. They're out there. I'm watching their taillights, and I'm just supposed to follow them. It was about five years ago. Uh, we, we were on our way to Mexico on a mission trip. I was leading a group from Central Christian Church. And, and we, were, we were out in that long stretch of, uh, of Interstate 40 uh, west of Oklahoma City, somewhere between Oklahoma City and Amarillo, where it just kind of long stretches of nothing. We're driving along. I'm in the lead vehicle, and one of the church vans, it was driven by Pete Smith. Pete was a associate pastor at Central, one of the church fans pulls up beside me and passes me. I, I glance over, and, and Pete and the passenger 
were, you could tell, were in conversation. The pastor didn't even look at me. He was in conversation. And as we drove by, a couple people in the back kind of had this look like, I don't know what we're doing. And I kind of waved at them. And, and what I figured was that one of them had to go to the bathroom. We didn't have the radios. Pitt gives us radio, two-way radios now when Troy goes. But we didn't have radios then. So I thought, hey, one of them needs to go to the bathroom. Pete's going to pass so he can pull off at the next rest stop. Well, we come to the next rest stop or gas station. The van just keeps on going. I, I bet we were about 10 miles down the road when my phone rings. I, of course, I handed it to Rita for her to answer. No, I didn't. I, I, looked, I looked at it, and caller ID said Pete Smith. So I answered. Here's what Pete said. Where are you? I, I, I've lost you. I, I, I don't know where you are. I said, I thought he was kidding. I said, Pete, I'm right behind you. And, and I know what happened. He looked in the mirror like, oh, what? He, he got talking and passed me, didn't even realize that he was passing me, then got out there and drove for miles before realizing, hey, you know, I'm following that truck in front of me, but now I don't even see that truck in front of me. But he couldn't because it was behind. So, so when he says follow there, it's not just blindly, hey, I'm supposed to follow that. So I just kind of numbly go along. Um, it's, it, it's not following but not sure where we're going or what's happening. My, my, uh, my boss that, that I worked for before I came here to Troy, Barry Moorhead, uh, a few years ago went to the Holy Land. He and his wife uh, and, and his son, Alex. I think Alex had just graduated from high school. and They took a trip to the Holy Land. They didn't do it the way most people did. They decided to hike. And, and you can start, there's a road. You can start in, uh, down by Bethlehem and hike this 60 or 70 miles up to Galilee and there's a trail that's mapped out and there's places to stay and so they mapped the whole thing out and they would hike you know six five six hours a day get to the next stop and and he told this story they were I don't know it's about the fifth sixth day he said they're they're traveling across the just these open fields in the the, the plains uh, north of Jerusalem and 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 they got lost. The trail wasn't marked very well. They couldn't. Said we were walking out in fields. We had no idea where we were. And then we saw a group of college-age kids, and and we started talking to them. And it, it was obvious they were doing the same thing. Got talking to them, and they they said, "Yeah." So we're 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 heading to the same place. And and he said, "So so we joined them and followed them." He said there was great comfort in being with another group of people. Had no idea if they knew where they were going. But we were going to go there together. Well, following, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. It's not, I mean, just, hey, just jump in somewhere and go. Instead, Jesus uses the, Jesus uses the Greek word there. I'm sorry, I'm glad it's my notes to, to get it. Akalo luthio, luthio, akalo luthio. It has the idea of, it has the idea of following. Following is a correct uh, way to translate it. But it has the idea of going in the same direction. It's been uh, maybe a little over a year ago, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, we had decided uh, to start serving uh, at Children's Mercy, uh, going and working at the Ronald McDonald House, and kind of just an announcement we'll be doing that several times this uh, this fall so some of you have an opportunity to join us doing that but but we decided to do that i had been there with uh, one time john and christine were there with with laney and 
and I'd walk down to the room with them one time, and that's when kind of the idea kind of stuck in my head that, hey, this is something we ought to do. And so, so I'd scheduled it. I happened to be in Kansas City visiting someone in another hospital, and I went over to Children's. I thought, you know, I'm going to find the room on my own so I know when we, when we go the next week so I can get there. So I, I went through the, uh, through the security checkpoint, took out my ID, because you have to have ID, right, Holly, when you go to Children's Mercy. Took out my uh, ID, and, and then I said to one of the security guards, how do I get to the Ronald McDonald room? Right as I said that, there was a lady walking past me, and she said, you're going to the Ronald McDonald room? I said, yeah. Follow me. That's where I'm going. And so I put myself right beside her, and we walked down that hallway, we turned right, then we turned left, then we right, left, left again, right, and we got in the elevator, and then turned right out of the elevator and left into the room. She said, follow me. Jesus said, if, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross go the same direction I'm going. I'm going there. Just put yourself right beside me and follow me. Would you bow with me? Father, uh, Peter identified Jesus uh, as the one, as the Messiah. And then kind of the conversation took a weird turn for him. Father, sometimes that's tough for us to decide who Jesus is. But we know as as he challenged his followers to know who he was and then then deny themselves and to take on Jesus' identity and then walk beside him. Father, we pray this morning that we can do that each and every day. As, As he throws that word in there daily, that each day we get up and we make that our decision to follow Jesus. Father, if there's someone here this morning that isn't on that path, isn't isn't on that journey, hasn't said, let's go to that journey. Father, we pray that the day is the day that they begin to follow you, to come after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?